Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. I hope you're looking forward. I hope you're excited and interested in studying and looking at the whole book of Genesis. We're talking about the book of Genesis. The first five books of the Bible, by the way, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, really form a complete library. That's why they're called the Torah. They are are called the Pentateuch. And the Pentateuch means the five scrolls, the five scrolls. Each of the five books is independent, and each one picks up where the last left off. And so they are in historical sequence, succeeding each book one after another. But Genesis' first words, Breshit bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created. And that implies the beginning of God's before time. The God who is eternal before time. It shows his existence. It announces a really a spectacular transition now moving from eternity to time and space. That's what we have just in the first couple of words. And while the exact date of creation can't be determined, we know it's certain that we can estimate it in thousands of years, not millions of years. And it starts then with people coming from Adam, and we're going to talk about how uh, it, the line came down to Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 11, we're going to find some great transition that happens there as we begin to look at a certain lineage. From Genesis 11, the book takes about 300 years. Before Genesis 11, the span is well over 2,000 years. So the book of Genesis covers more time than all the rest of the Old Testament in, in one place. But the title, why do we get the English title Genesis? Well, it came from the Greek translation of the Septuagint, which means origins. The Hebrew title is from the first word in the beginning, Breshit. If you were Jewish, you were reading the Hebrew Bible, we would be looking at the book of Breshit. Genesis serves to really introduce these whole five books and then the entire Old Testament. And the influence of Genesis and Scripture is shown because it's quoted over 35 times in the, Old Te- in the New Testament. Hundreds and hundreds of allusions to Genesis throughout the Old Testament. But the storyline of salvation is 
that begins in Genesis chapter 3. It's not completed until we get to Revelation 21, where the eternal kingdom, the redeemed believers are, are pictured there. So we have a continuity of the Bible that begins in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Well, who is the author? The author is well known as being Moses. Although it was written by somewhere around 1445 B.C. to 1405 B.C. And although Genesis nowhere gives its name, there are many, many times that the other parts of the Old Testament and the New Testament refer to the book of Genesis as the writings of Moses. So it's pretty well not really a, a dispute. It's pretty well uh, known that Moses is the fitting author. But we have a problem because Moses isn't born while all of Genesis happens. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, sorry. It's working good tonight. Okay. <clears throat> I get too excited. Get going. There's really no compelling reason to think that anybody other than Moses wrote it. But 300 years after the close of Genesis, you have the birth of Moses. So we understand that Moses was inspired by God to write these things. But as we're going to see, he wasn't alone in his authorship. He had certain writings, certain things at his, uh, at, right there at his fingertips. The initial setting, as we start out in Genesis, the initial setting is eternity past. God then, by his divine word, willfully acting, he spoke all of creation into existence. He furnished it. Finally, he breathed life into a lump of dirt and he fashioned it into an image in which he called Adam. That was the original name, Adam. Ishif. God made mankind by, by the crowning point of creation. And his angels around and all that were there in heaven sang to the glory of God's name at, at the creation that God had brought about. So the historical background for the early events in Genesis, we're going to see most of them happen in Mesopotamia. While it's difficult really to pinpoint uh, an historical moment when the book was written, Israel first heard the, uh, about Genesis sometime prior to crossing the Jordan River and entering into the Promised Land. They'd heard these stories, and it first seems to be pinned as they're entering the Promised Land. Well, Genesis has three very distinct geographical settings. We start out around the Mesopotamia area, and then we go into the Promised Land. Israel. And then we go in the last part of the book into Egypt. And the time frames of these three segments are from creation to about 2090 BC. And then from 
2090 BC to 1897, you have uh, the, the scene in Israel or Canaan land. And then from 1897 to 1804, it covers so much time. Uh, then we have the Israelites leaving off as we studied just recently with Joseph. And we have the Israelites there in Egypt. Well, what about some of the historical settings? This is a book of beginnings all the way through. God really reveals himself. And from this, Israel gets their worldview, which when you look at the pagans, when you look at Israel's neighbors, is very, very different. But no attempt is made to ever defend the existence of God. And really, God presents himself in very systematic, uh, uh, logical ways. And I've given you those in your outlines. You'll see some of those things, some of the key doctrines as you'll go through in the book of Genesis. So he is laying out who God is, what his character is. And we learn so much. But really, Israel's God distinguish himself from the gods of their neighbors because we see God showing himself as the Father, as God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see man in the creation of man. We see the origin of men and why it is that the world is in the fallen condition. We see the hope of redemption, the promise of redemption. We see a covenant and that covenant promise that God is still carrying out. We find out about Satan and his angels. We learn about the kingdom and, and we understand revelation. We understand Israel as a land, as a nation, and judgment and blessing. All of those things come from this book <coughs> and so much more. Well, we're going to divide the book really into two parts. In Genesis 1 through 11, we have over 2,000 years right there, maybe more. <coughs> Excuse me. It talks about the origin of the universe, the beginnings of time, the beginning of space, God choosing out of eternity and calling it space, calling it the expanse, the heavens. And we have many firsts in human experiences. We have first marriage, family. We have the fall. We have sin, where sin had never been in the world before. We have the promise of redemption judgment. We have the beginning of nations. And, how, and then the second half from chapter 12 through 50, we have the patriarchal history. Now we begin, that's being explained how Israel has come into a, a, an existence as a family, how their ancestry could be traced to Eber. And by the way, let me just read in 10 verse 24 and 25, because in Genesis 10, 24 and 25, we see, talks about here, 21, let me just say this, the children, and children were born also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber. And let me jump down to 24. 
Erphasax begot Selah, and Selah begot Eber. To Eber was born two sons. The one was Peleg, for in his days was uh, the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. I'm going to stop right there. It's a powerful verse. You may not realize, but the name Eber is where we get the name Hebrew. Because it was through Eber that Abraham came. And of course, we understand that it was in the days of Peleg that the earth was divided into the continents that we have that very well may have come about as a result of the flood. Remember, during the flood of Genesis 6, we have the earth opening up and fountains of the deep. And then we have the moving of the continents. You can look at a globe and people, scientists recognize that the earth was originally one landmass. That's what we find in Genesis 1. God created the landmass and he created the ocean. And it was sometime later, there we see in Genesis 10, that the continents were formed. So we have a lot of firsts that happen here. A lot of different things that take place. Well, now you know where the name Hebrew came from because they were the children of Eber. All right, so in Genesis, we're seeing now, <coughs> by the way, the sons of Noah, the sons of Shem, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the sons of Shem uh, became known as the Semites, and that's where, again, the Hebrews are called Semites. Because they are of the line of Shem, Noah's son. Well, God's people came to understand not only their family history, but their origins of a, of a nation, their origin, the, all of the institutions, the customs, the languages, the different cultures. They began to understand basic human experience such as sin and death. There had been no death before. So all of that is learned right here in this book. It's just amazing. And because they were preparing to enter Canaan and push out, dispossess the Canaanite inhabitants because of that, their home had been promised, some of the, God, God really reveals their enemy's background. In addition, they need to understand that with the other four books Moses was writing, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that ultimately the Jewish nation would understand their place in world history. They would understand that they had a, a, a great place in history that would be set. Well, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we have the primary focus really going to Abraham, the promises to Abraham. And these follow kind of the whole world's population. In, in chapter 11, we have how the world was in 10, all the world people going out and, and filling the whole world. And now we're going to, in chapter 12, come down and focus on this man, Abraham, one small nation, Israel, through whom God was going to accomplish his redemptive plan. So we see we come from this great massive beginning of God beginning the heavens and the earth and it's narrowing its focus, coming down to show because God had the plans that through one man, Jesus Christ, 
could life be given? And so they're showing here how sin is upon all mankind. It's affected all through Adam. It's all coming and every person was infected and affected by sin. And now it comes down to focus that upon one man, Abraham's lineage, the son of Abraham that would bring about the redemption. So the rest of scripture bears out the fulfillment of God's promises. And really those promises were threefold because he promised that Israel's mission would be that they should be a light to the Gentiles. And then that God promised them a land and that their seed would be like the sands of the sea, like the stars of the sky. And then that this people would be a blessing to all mankind. But on a larger scale, in Genesis 1, 1 through 11, it sets forth one message about the character, about the works of God. And in the sequence of accounts that make up these chapters, the, the pattern emerges that reveals God's abundant grace. The farther that man gets away from God, the greater his sin and the greater God's grace. Because God's grace is seeking more and more and that he sent even a man by the name of Noah who was a preacher of righteousness that for 120 years proclaimed that judgment was coming and begged people. And that says how they mocked Noah. And of course, only Noah and his, son, his wife and his three sons and their wives were saved because man had gotten so evil and become so depraved. You see, so we have beginning at a very large scale in how God destroyed as the result of sin, but God's grace is seen to have bounded even more. One final theme on the theological and historical sequence that sets Genesis apart from all the other books of Scripture is that it corresponds closely with the book of Revelation. It corresponds because in the book of Genesis, we have man being set in a garden. And in the end, we have God himself in that beautiful paradise. So we go from Adam in paradise to again, God and his redeemed with him in paradise. We see all of the future problems that began as a result of the curse of sin wrapped up in the book of Revelation. He's taken care of all of that. And now we saw the tree of life in the book of Genesis. We see it again in the book of Revelation. And over and over, things that have been introduced in this book, we see them concluded in the last book of the Bible. And so it's not a book to be taken on its own. There'll be no more curse. How do we know? In the book of Revelation, it says there'll be no more curse. What do we know about that? Well, we know because as a result of sin in Genesis 3, this old earth was cursed. So over and over, it's not surprising to find that in the final chapter of God's word, believers find themselves in paradise, eternal paradise, eating from the tree of life, partaking, wearing robes of white, 
that have been made white by the blood of the Lamb. We know that in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord killed and gave a sacrifice to cover mankind's sin. And so we find it again shown in its beauty. Well, there's so many interesting things. I'm going to try to just wrap up because here we have the origin of man, of God, of family, of evil, of salvation, of justification, of divine judgment. And we have to determine if this is God's revelation or some that oppose this. They oppose this book. They say this was Israel's groping for meaning. That's what the, those who oppose God's word would say. Israel was just trying to get some kind of meaning. How did they fit in the whole scope of thing? And Moses came up with this story. But it says, Brashit bara Elohim at Hashemayim ahat aharetz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That says it all. That sets the whole motion. Now, there are those today that want to say that cavemen came on the scene. Cavemen were first around and they drew pictures of the dinosaurs that they knew. And they, uh, you know, they were mindless kind of creatures. And that's just not the case because we find Adam at one day had a great mental capability. I want to show you something that many people have, uh, have, have skipped over because it's found in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 1. And it says, Shofar uh, tal, <laughs> Talit. There we go. What does that mean? This is the writings of the genealogies. The writings of Adam. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam is probably how many translate it. Literally, it's these are the writings of Adam. Now, the Kabbalah, the Jews recognize that Moses had the various writings available to him that had been kept from the time of Adam, he had the writings of all of the genealogies. And so we find that it's important because we have the history of the people and there's a family relationship of being faithful to God. And they kept records, not only Adam, but others. So I, I've said all of that about the cavemen. Cavemen were not able to produce paper and come about and write and give the genealogies and keep track of all of these things. And of course, there are there's so many beautiful nuggets here in this book. So many beautiful things. For we find such as the name Methuselah means hammer of God. And it carries the idea that God's judgment was going to come upon his death. God's judgment was going to come. So God allowed all of those patriarchs who had lived before Noah, he allowed them all to die. The world was a very different place in, before the flood. We see that the waters were uplifted. We see the whole world being a very different place. As I've said, the continent, it was one continent. And 
later was divided as the result of the flood. But one of the reasons that man lived so long was because it was a very different world. The New Testament explains that for us. It was a world standing out of water. And then Methuselah, that righteous preacher, Noah or Enoch before him, his father, a righteous preacher. So God has always had a witness and a testimony that has gone forward proclaiming the truth of his word, proclaiming that man must repent. We find even in the sons of Adam, there's still some rebellion. We have Cain and Abel, and of course we're familiar with the story of Cain and Abel and how Cain rose up and killed Abel. Why? Because Abel had given a blood sacrifice for sin. Now, later on, we have sacrifices, Thanksgiving sacrifices, Thanksgiving offerings that are made of grain. But that's not until later in the, in the law. And so Cain decides he's going to give, he's going to make his own way. He's going to do it on his own. And we have the first murder in the Bible, the first killing. But it was more than that. It was really Satan working to destroy mankind. Just as he deceived Eve and Adam sinned, he transgressed, he went against what God had told him. Because Satan has always been that adversary of God and man, seeking to get in and destroy man's plan, destroy God's plan, destroy God's purpose. And of course, with the fall, the, gene, the, the genes were changed. Everything was changed. Now death has come. Now death is permeated all of our world. Things wear down. They rot. They decay. Uh, terrible things have happened. And yet Adam and Eve had another child named Seth. And his the idea was, well, maybe here was the promised child. Maybe here was the hope, the Redeemer. So in all of those, they were looking forward to the Redeemer coming. They were looking forward to God fulfilling his promise that he made in Genesis 3 and verse 15, that a Redeemer would come, that they would be bought back. So you see, the book of Genesis from the very beginning teaches and shows us many wonderful things. It is not a book of science. However, when it speaks of science, it speaks correctly. And scientists are not able to go back and check and verify these things because we do not have uniformity. In other words, things have not continued on as they always have. We have had chaotic episodes and it changes the, the makeup of the earth. So in all of these aspects, we find Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We find then another man coming up on the scene, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons. And that fills the rest of the book of Genesis. We just spent quite a bit of time going through Jacob and then Joseph and then going through how they came up into Egypt. So I think that it's an interesting aspect that we would see how God's focus narrows 
continually down one to another. Well, I hope that in all of these you can look at some of the different aspects that have been given. Uh, I've given you some of, the, some of the key doctrines in Genesis. We've given you some of the various uh, characteristics of God as God is a creator, God is faithful, God is just, he's long-suffering, he's merciful, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he provides, he's truthful, he brings about wrath when he says, we see Christ in Genesis. There are certain key words that I've given you here. And then, of course, as we'll close out, we see the land, the land that Israel was promised, the promised land is still the, what shades all of our history, even being written today. The land of Canaan was so representative of God's covenant to the Israelites that it became really their identifying characteristic. They became known as the people of the land. There were many different tribes. There were different civilizations that came and went, and you can see them spoken of here in this book. There was all types of idolatry that rose up because as I started to say earlier, Satan has always tried to introduce another way to take man off of the path. And so by introducing another way of religion, by introducing, well, this God or that God or this false deity or that false deity, it leads men away from the true God that the book of Genesis explains and shows. So it begins with really Israel starting with unimpressive roots that grow into a triumphant, triumphant history that God is still going to bring about. And of course, Satan is still working. He's still trying to destroy the people, just as he was trying to destroy that line in which Christ would come. And Satan didn't know where it was going to come, but by destroying uh, Abel and then God raising up Seth, and he continued to try to destroy those people in so many different aspects. We're going to see that as we go through the whole book of the Old Testament. I hope tonight this has been an encouragement, that it'll been a help to you. And most of all, I want you to see God's grace. I want you to see the grace of God from the very beginning. In the beginning, God. God in his love for you, that he provided a redeemer so that you and I could have life and we could have eternal life. This is such an exciting book because it, it shows how the Redeemer has come into the world so that you and I could know the free pardon from sin, that we could have forgiveness of sin. That's what it's all about. That's what the whole book talks about. The whole focus comes about to man's redemption. Well, we're going to see as we pick up Lord Willing in Exodus We'll see how that theme continues on. We'll see how that theme grows and goes forward. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged challenged or generally built up spiritually. 
If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.